0: On this week's episode, we talk about good boy Thori, our hopes and fears for the new Hellboy movie, and gush over the greatness that is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. As always, I am T here with Chris. Hello,
1: Merry Christmas.
0: Yes, Merry Christmas. Here is to hoping that everyone has had a good week prior to Christmas. And And
1: you're not sick like me?
0: Sick like him or absolutely going crazy because of all of the last minute gift giving and town driving and trying not to have intense road rage. I get real mad out on the road, you guys.
1: Yeah, it's,
0: yeah. (laughs) It's the time of year when people don't know how driving works anymore for unknown reasons. I don't know Turns. why what it is about this time of year, but people just decide the turn signals don't work, and I'm going to switch lanes in the middle of the intersection, and I'm going to go through the parking lot like it's a four-lane highway. That's not how this works. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this has to do with it's comics, like, but I feel like it's a public service. Announcement.
1: Everybody's stuck and like, perpetually stuck in that sequence in the Home Alone movies where they're like getting ready to go on the trip, and they wake up late, and everyone's just running around. Yeah. It's like, that's what everybody's in 100% it, of the time. But
0: it starts so. in like the first week of November. I'm like, yeah. guys, you got two months until Christmas. Just chill out. Go home, use Amazon, and get off my roads.
1: Anyway, I hope nobody's sick. Because it sucks.
0: <laughs> Our poor Christmas. Apologies right, you guys. if
1: there's coughing and snorting and sniffling and the sound of snot flying all over the microphone.
0: It's great over here, guys. It's not.
1: It's not even, like, I'm not even, like, sniffly sick. I'm just, like, I have a cough, and then today my ear decided to close up. So I, like, can't hear out of the left side of my face.
0: And I have to roll around at a far length distance because I have asthma. So he'll get sick for, like, two days and then fully recover, and then I'll get sick and have pneumonia within a week. Yeah. So Fair. It's a fun navigation. Let's talk about
1: comics.
0: Yeah. So there were some fun comics this week. Yeah. Because there were a million comics this week. Yeah.
1: Oh God. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) because everybody loaded on this week and last week, and so next week there's only going to be like five books on the shelf.
0: There were over what fifty comics or something. No,
1: it was it was huge. It was like a hundred something new titles that came into my local shop. But it was insane. I honestly just from being busy and being sick I didn't get to read too too many but I read um the three big events going on at Marvel all had their last issue today. Ooh, um, wrap
0: up wrap up week. Dun, dun, dun.
1: Yeah. So I read um Extermination number 5
0: <laughs> the last one.
1: The, the final one. Is Inside- it 5 or 6? Spider-Gent was five, and Infinity Wars was six. But I don't remember. Anyway, I read all three of those.
0: Insert final number here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, it was, Yeah. <laughs> Extermination 1852. There you go. Um, Close enough. Yeah, so I read those. They were all definitely endings <laughs> of varying quality. You know, fair warning, spoilers, spoilers for this section, because I do wee, need to talk wee, about, wee. yeah, I do need to talk about what happened. Extermination, saw the young ex-people finally go back home, oh, and no. then- no, no more baby Jean? Yeah, no more baby Jean, baby beast, Cyclops, uh, angel- and they handled it weird. They did it like they were supposed to close the time loop or whatever, which goes against a lot of time travely stuff that's come up in X-Men books in the past about like alternate timelines and stuff. So, it's just another like X-Men getting convoluted about time thing. <laughs> and
0: they're bread and butter. Okay.
1: Yeah, and so they went back home and erased their memories. But then, because that's the only way to close the time loop. But then, like, set it up so that their older selves would have their memories. But that's kind of weird to me, because did that mean the older selves had the memories to be? I don't know. It's bizarre. Um, that's weird. And also, then they, like.
0: How do you erase the memories of Jean Frickin' Gray? She
1: does it. She's the one that does it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. But, um, and then they randomly reveal at the end. That Cyclops is back, adult Cyclops. I thought that was kind of, I thought that was kind of dumb. Not because I mean it would be cool to have Cyclops come back. I liked psycho, slightly Magneto-y Cyclops. I was about like,
0: to ask. So is he like normie? Good. I I don't know. He literally or... doesn't
1: do shit but sit there and get a beer from Cable. Oh lord. Yeah, that's all.
0: Wait, I thought Cable was dead.
1: Uh, it's young Cable, young man Cable. Um, oh my god! <clears throat> so that's extermination. <laughs> it was okay. It was an okay ending. I, I wasn't really feeling that series, anyway. Like it wasn't. They even in the first issue in the back, there's literally a letter from, the guy writing it, and, or no that, yeah I think it was the writer. Might have been the editor, but I think I think it was the writer, and um, he literally says that they were talking at like a you know creative meeting at marvel and they were like what do we do about these young x-men and he pitched this idea which essentially was just like get rid of them and that's what extermination was was just an excuse to take those off the table so that they could have regular gene gray be the focal point i don't know i liked the young x-men some kind of bummed. maybe that's just me because i kind of got back i had a period where i wasn't really reading Marvel books and I got back into it with all new X-Men so it's kind of a soft spot for me but anyway um Infinity Wars also ended this week Infinity Wars number six it's the event that's been going on um written by Gary Duggan it's been interesting it was okay I don't know. I I feel like they didn't do as much with this series as I kind of thought they were going to go. In the beginning, it felt like they were going to get, like, extra meta. And they were talking about, like, multiverses. And Mm. it was timed out around the time that, like, Avengers Infinity War was going on. So it's, like, how meta are they going to take this? Are they going to reference? And, like, in some of the tie-in books, they you know, make little nods at, like, Shazam! Captain Marvel. Like, there's a little, like, cameo by him. And they make, like, Loki's whole thing in this thing was he was trying to get to the lowest point in the universe, and I really wanted him to just, like, (laughs) like, pop out, like, Jack Kirby sitting there, like, what's up, champ? And, um... (laughs) Or something. Like, I I really wanted it to get, like, hyper-meta, and I think maybe it did. Like, there was a point where Loki, like, gets to the bottom, and he's like, hey, you are the people that are controlling our you know, my destiny, What? what's up, why do I always lose? And they, like, point at a mirror a la Ray, in the, like, dark side butthole on that planet with Luke. <laughs> and he looks into it, and then the next is just a splash page of his face, like, looking at you. So that might have been a cool, I don't know if they were trying to get at that, like, Loki, again, knows that he's in a comic, because I think he did for a while. Oh, huh, okay. And, um... That would be cool. I'd like to see the return of somebody who knows they're in a comic and it's kind of like a dark topic as opposed to, like, Deadpool who does and then doesn't and then does and then doesn't and Gwenpool who can literally, like, manipulate comics, but they do it out of kind of a fun standpoint. I would really like there to be a character that's like, oh, shit, I'm a comic. What does that mean for me, you know? No, that's fair Um, because
0: Gwenpool right now, she's a little bit – like, not much, but a teeny bit darker, but it's kind of the opposite context uh-huh. because she knows she's in a comic, but not all of her comic manipulation powers are working, and she yeah. doesn't know why.
1: Yeah, and um, so it ended, in like, Gamora just kind of got, like, sent away, and she eventually, like, finds Magus, who Ultron killed early on in the series. Again, spoilers in this stuff— And so, like, they're hanging out, so that's probably setting up what's going to happen in the Guardians books that are coming up. And um, Warlock gives the Infinity Stones souls. Like, that's his answer, and they all fly off. And I really thought it would have been a cooler end to show where the stones went. Like, who gets the stones now that the stones can choose who gets them? Yeah. Because I thought that would have been a cooler setup, but they probably don't know. So it felt like Marvel kind of ended this not really knowing what, what? the repercussions of this were going to be, so we get, like, nothing. So I don't know. It, it was it was okay. I liked the story of Infinity Wars because of the art, and it was really good for the first, like, few issues. And then it got into the Infinity Warps thing, where Gamora, like, smashed everybody up together and shoved them in the soul world. And I think at that point they really lost... Where they were going with it, like the kind of like, point of it all. They kind of nothing felt overly committal. Like they got they got meta, but not too meta. And like they got they made Loki like trickstery, but not too trickstery. And like Gamora was badass, but not too much of a badass. And she was evil and kind of Thanosy, but not like too much. Like they didn't go too far on anything. Yeah. Anyway, the the best part about it, in my opinion, is that so Drax. Spoilers. like sacrifices himself and stays behind in the soul world while everyone else leaves. Okay. And I just think this is funny because it's like, in my opinion, it's like weird flex, but okay. Um, (laughs) Because there's the whole drama with like James Gunn getting fired and Dave Bautista was like, I'm not going to play Drax again if James Gunn doesn't come back. Oh, yeah, he's so now, been
0: talking big about how he's like, yeah, yeah. they should put me in a DC movie instead. Yeah, and
1: now Marvel officially like took Drax out of the comics.
0: Oh my God, it's like Fantastic <laughs> Four all over again. I
1: just think that's that, that shit that Marvel does, because they do that, is just like, I love when they flex like that and they're like, oh, okay, get out of here. You know, like.
0: Now your characters don't exist. Booyah. The
1: Inhuman Show did poorly. And so they killed off. They had death of Inhumans, and now the Inhumans are basically like a null concept. And then, like, you know, the fan, they couldn't get the rights to Fantastic Four, so they literally like shoved Reed Richards and Sue Storm in another dim- like the edge of space time, yeah. doing whatever. Yeah. And so I, I just so I love when Marvel does these weird flexes. Like it's just fun. It's silly. And then Spider geddon Honestly, I didn't expect Spider geddon to be the highlight of these events. I think I enjoyed it the most. It, again, not really much happened. But it was fun, and it kind of shuts down the whole Spider-Verse stuff. Like, at the end of it, uh, Spider-Gwen is really the only person who still has the ability to do spidery things, like do interdimensional stuff. I don't know. It was really just all these events, like all of them, really the endings kind of fell flat. They just set up like here's the story that's going to happen in these titles we're talking about. You know, so, like, in spider and Miles got the Enigma Force and became Cosmic Spider-Man for a bit and then lost it. Now he's back to being Miles. And, like, you know, Doc Ock is just superior Spider-Man again. But that's what Marvel does. You know, I always go into these events hoping there will be some, like, radical change. And there's just, there's not you I know, feel like there's just there's this not...
0: ongoing trend with Marvel where they're just too scared to pull the trigger on anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, like they talk up these big issues like something's going to happen. I mean, people thought Mary Jane was going to die.
1: In Spider-Man 800? In Spider-Man yeah.
0: 800. And then, like, nope, nothing just... of importance happens. Like, what sucks, matters. though,
1: is because, yeah, a lot of people do consider <laughs> that issue, Spider-Man 800, as, like, nothing. Like, they talked it up like somebody was going to die, and it was just... Freaking Flash Thompson. I I am sad (laughs) because (laughs) I love Flash Thompson. And I love there was a recent uh, Venom issue, number eight, I want to say, where the whole like discovery in that issue is that the symbiotes kind of retain memories of their hosts. Because the whole point of it was that the symbiote would like take on some sort of genetic memory to them and then take it back to Clintar and it would be like banked. Right. And the Venom symbiote, bouncing around, basically has all these, to some degree, these genetic things. And so Flash Thompson, like, the memory of Flash Thompson, bursts out of this, like, symbiote. And he takes over. So it's Eddie Brock in the suit, but it's, like, Agent Venom. It was so cool. And I love Donny Cates doing a nod to my boy because I love, like, that's my favorite Venom by far. Um,
0: And I think Flash Thompson's cool, but I think part of why it's less... I don't want to say it's not sad, but it's less impactful that he died because we all know that he'll get brought back. I think part of the impact of when they do deaths on characters that aren't blatant heroes within the comics Mm -hmm. is because it's a lot harder for them to just re-manifest. Because, like, they finally killed off Aunt May and they had to completely ruin all of Spider-everything to bring her back. So, like, I feel like it's harder when it's a non-like non-hero character yeah, to, like, bring them back. Because, see, like, Cyclops is back again. Yeah, it's again.
1: It's tough to, you know, keep somebody dead in comics because it's a brand. You know, it's, um, like, back when I was researching Bat-peen for last week's episode, <laughs> I was reading a thing about Chris Claremont talking about the death of Superman, and, like, they killed off Superman, and then higher-ups at Warner... We're like, what the hell are you doing? This is a brand. You know, that would be like one day you go into a Starbucks and the mermaid's dead.
0: <laughs> that's true.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like, you know, the Starbucks execs would be like, what the hell? Or like, you know, McDonald's announces the death of Ronald or <laughs> something like that. Like, it's brand. It's all brand. Yeah. And so you have that element, and that's tough when you have, like, fans – you can only go off of what fans are shouting about, and honestly, that causes a lot of confusion. That's why, you know, sometimes people higher up are like, oh, diversity is killing books, because all they can do is listen to the fans, and sometimes that's not always the best way to go about it. But, um, you know, when the fans are like, bring back Wolverine! We want Wolverine! And your sales dip, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to bring back Wolverine. But, um... It is definitely harder when it's, like, a lower-end person because you got to find a good time. Quote-unquote lower-end Flash is the best. Um, (laughs) Because you got to find the time to slip them in there. But honestly, the highlight, I guess, of these endings is I'm really excited to see what the Gamora Magus thing does. I'm feeling... I'm definitely hyped for Donny Cates' Guardians run. But otherwise, I don't know. I I didn't really get much – there wasn't enough status quo change in these. You know, like Secret Empire last year, you know, that ended with Steve Rogers being really devalued. And that's a cool place to end. Like, it didn't – nobody really died and nothing was – I mean, Black Widow did, but then she came back. Um, Blah, blah. She did what she didn't. Uh,
0: It's very confusing.
1: Yeah, but – You know, Steve Rogers had to prove himself again, and that poured into the Captain America series that followed. And I just don't think there's any of that really going on in this. Everyone kind of, like, all of them kind of ended with them just, like, clapping their hands together, and they were like, well, that's done. On to the next thing, team. And it's like, okay, cool. (laughs) You (laughs) know? Sweet. That's fun. So, Fair enough. What about you? What did you read? Well, stands out now that I read I've some... ranted about everything.
0: <laughs> I read kind of a mishmash of stuff. Um, I think some highlights. So I read Killmonger number two, which I haven't talked about Killmonger yet. Um, it's going to be a five part mini. Yeah. Um, six? Five? Six? I think it's five. I could be wrong. Don't quote me. No quoting. I'm enjoying it. But I think what's interesting is that I'm actually enjoying it more for the uh, supporting cast than I am for him. Killmonger, actually, the character feels kind of flat to me right now, because it's just another, like, I'm fueled by my rage, grr.
1: So they're basing it off the movie, then?
0: It <laughs> feels like it.
1: Do his lines feel forced?
0: Uh, well, they're written, so it's better. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> but he's so part of the plot of this is it's essentially taking place before he goes back to wakanda mm-hmm. it's what happens after he goes to mit and graduates and he goes to kill claw but gets stopped by a assassin group um of these three people and he kind of proves himself as being worthy and talented and so they take him on to become a part of their group as they're trying to raise in the ranks of Kingpin's kind of like ongoing bad guy army. I'm actually really enjoying the people in the assassin group King and Rook, etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. and I think the characters are just more interesting they're more developed they have a purpose they're kind of mysterious and it's it's fun to read I just wish I gave a damn about Killmonger. (laughs) I feel like this was supposed to kind of give some depth to him and it's not I feel like it's more just setting up characters that I would like to have their own comic honestly like I want to follow this group doing stuff
1: Yeah it's harsh when like the title like lead character is kind of flat yeah, you know there there was moments in X Men Red that were that way where like it was obviously mainly about Jean, and I you know rooted for Jean and I wanted her whole plight to go through but you know I was mainly there for like X twenty three and Honey Badger and Nightcrawler yeah. and Binary Is it Binary what is that uh, the new There's like a new X Men and um, two new X Men There's the Wakandan one named Gentle. Oh, that's um cool. Trinary. Her name was Trinary. Trinary. And she's like a technophile and she was Clever. really cool. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um You know, I was mainly there for those people in Jean Grey. It was kinda like, Yeah, you're you're Jean Grey again, and you're really playing up this Jean Grey thing. Like, good on you red. And you're kinda so,
0: boring, no offense.
1: Yeah, they they are actually really writing Jean Grey as kinda boring lately. Like she's very, like one dimensional. I wonder. Until if she gets into a fight and then suddenly she's like chaotic and emotional but then like every other time she's like this wizened old like everyone she's talking to she's like giving like the heartfelt advice and it's it's cool you know if she wants to be the next Charles but they need to like really like establish that and well, make everybody's her like
0: mad at Charles so but it's not even fair ugh. that she would be the new Charles because that's I mean no offense but that's really stepping on Kitty's toes Cause that's kind of mm-hmm. like her whole shtick right now, cause she doesn't have a whole lot else going for her right now. Yeah. Just saying. So, Killmonger's pretty good. I would recommend picking it up, but primarily because I really want to know more about these random assassins. Um, I also read the new Betty and Veronica number one. There was a. It's short, also a mini series. Yeah, another mini. Most of the Archie series are minis, aside mm-hmm. from the. Archie. Aside from Archie itself, um, and Riverdale was ongoing. But I I like the way they're doing this one because it feels a little bit older than they normally do. I feel like a lot of the time when they write the Archie comics, they're very stationed in like, we're sophomores and high school's everything. And now it's just like romance, romance, drama. Let's all
1: go for shakes at the chocolate shop.
0: Oh, look, Jughead's eating a burger again. (laughs) 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 And don't get me wrong, I love it and I've read all of them because I'm a big old fangirl. But... This one's very conscious about being seniors, and so it definitely has that senior flavor, which is kind of a nice change because it's subtle, Mm. but now it's like, what college are we going to?
1: Cool senior flavor. What are
0: we doing after we graduate? What do we need to do during this year? How are things going to be different? So it's just, it's a marginally different take on the usual Archie shtick, and that's kind of nice. I don't know if it's necessarily going to break any molds. I mean, it's still... Spoiler alert, but the end of the first issue is still, oh no, Veronica's talking to this boy and Betty is talking to this boy and it's going to come between their friendship. <laughs> and Jughead's
1: talking to this boy.
0: No, that's only in my dreams. <laughs>
1: I was going to say, you're only a fangirl for the RG stuff because it gives you more opportunity to think about Cole Sprouse.
0: Guys, when in the hell did those boys become attractive? <laughs> that's not cool. I I grew up watching The Sweet Life and it, I just I can't. It's not okay. I I feel old. So the last thing I wanted to talk about today is I read issue number 8 of Thor. Now, I know I've talked about Thor already, mm-hmm. and I don't want to actually talk about the issue itself. I want to pull out a very specific thing because Mm -hmm. I feel like it needs to be mentioned, and I think it's important. In the Thor-verse that Marvel has built, they do pull a lot from standard Norse mythology. So you've got your Odin and your Freya and your Thor and your Loki and stuff like that. And most of the world building is the same, and it's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I love about Marvel with specifically in regards to the Asgardians and the Thor-based people, is that for some reason, people, particularly the authors at Marvel, think it is amazing to just make up characters that are absolutely freaking absurd. (laughs) And they're wonderful. The made-up characters in relation to Thor and the Asgardians are Uh the best part of that whole topic. Nice. So I've also been reading Asgardians of the Galaxy, which is a tie-in to the Infinity War stuff. And in that, one of the main Asgardians of the Galaxy is Throg. He is a frog with a hammer. Yep. He is Frog Thor. He is Throg. And he's great. He's one of the most interesting characters in the book. I, I love it. So in Thor, one of the best characters or... For some reason, a few of the best characters in the book are the companions of Thor because right now Thor is still technically unworthy and he doesn't have Mjolnir and he's trying to prevent another Ragnarok because there's a war amongst the realms and Malekith is being a big old douchebag. So,
1: as he's wont to do,
0: as he is wont to do. And so Thor's trying to fix stuff and he can't do it alone because he's unworthy and that sucks. So who has he taken with him on all of his adventures? He has taken his trusty goat, mm-hmm. which is a giant war goat. Yeah, yeah. And his best hell dog, Thory. Let me tell you about Thory. Thory is the, one of the best characters in all of Marvel. Marvel <laughs> does a few things right, and one of them is riding dogs. Yeah. Eventually I will talk to you guys about the Lockjaw comic that happened, because it was probably my favorite comic of the whole year. And that's saying something. But in particular, Thori is a dog. He talks broken English. He talks in third person. And he's focused very heavily on murder. And so theoretically you would think, that's not very cute. <laughs> but they put him in every issue in the most adorable, endearing scenarios. So for instance, in this book particular, they have Jane Foster walking through the rain and Thorry is accompanying her, just kind of as he is wont to do, taking her to her chemotherapy session. And they're walking through the rain and Thori explains how the sky is drooling and the sky drooling is bad for Lady Master, as he calls her, and he needs to get her inside so Lady Master is safe. And she says, a little rain is not going to hurt me, Thory. And he goes, no, we need to get Lady Master inside because rain hurts Lady Master and Lady Master can't get hurt. So I'm going to murder the rain. And she's like, OK, Thori, let's be a little more quiet because we're out on the public street and you are currently talking about murder. And he goes, I'm very sorry, Lady Master. Murder, murder, murder. <laughs> it is so <clears throat> cute. And so funny and so endearing. Murder, murder, And it's murder. so random that they constantly have these just subset parts of these books with these random animals. And it's just so cute. It's a nice break from this mm-hmm. doom and gloom and dread and misery and the worlds are dying and everything's terrible and everyone's in pain and torture and ma, ma, ma. And then you've got Thori being freaking adorable. hmm You know, I feel like if you didn't have creatures like Thori and the giant goat that eats people.
1: Is that Toothnasher? It is Toothnasher.
0: It'd just be too sad. Yeah. yeah. And so I just want to give a big old props (laughs) to the people at Marvel that aren't afraid to make rando characters that don't make sense that become (laughs) people's favorites. They do that
1: a lot with dogs, too. Like, I guess because dogs are easily fan favorites. Because they had, like, Pizza Dog and Hawkeye, and they have, um, like, Doctor Strange has a dog that talks now, and um, Lockjaw is always Lockjaw. Well, you know. and they
0: they kind of do it with just animals, because you got to remember Tippy Toe and Squirrel Girl.
1: Yeah, so.
0: Like, they just, they do a good job of making animal creatures that just kind of help lighten the burden. Mm-hmm. Comics can be really heavy, yeah. man.
1: They alleviate some of the dread...
0: Yeah, yeah and really. I mean, Jane Foster going to chemo, that's really heavy. And we're really devoted to her. Yeah, yeah. And then you got Thori just kind of like Meanwhile, in real
1: life, our animals just add to the dread.
0: They make things complicated, but they're so cute.
1: What's that soft noise in the distance? Oh, it's one of them horking. Good.
0: <laughs> anyway, that's my rant for the day on comics. Woo. Thank you for listening to me talk about how much I love animals. It's going to happen a lot. And we'll see alive.
1: you next week.
0: <laughs> We're not done yet.
1: No, it's not done? <laughs> it's, already, it's already been like two hours.
0: <laughs> We're not that bad.
1: Mm. Getting there.
0: Well, then let's keep moving on and go right into the news.
1: There's honestly not much.
0: There's not a ton. Not a ton, just a couple things.
1: Hellboy Actually, trailer.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm feeling it.
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it was there was a lot of humor, um, I guess, in the like production stills and a lot of the like build up to it. I thought they were gonna go darker with it. I I don't know. I I am like, there's parts I like and I love David Harbor, but like. I don't know. I'm worried that it's going to be... Like, they're making a lot of elements of it look too much like what we've already seen, Hellboy-wise. And I'm worried that it's not going to differentiate enough. Like, it's not going to separate enough. Because I, you know, to start this conversation... (laughs) 30 minutes into the conversation... (laughs) um, I know where this is going. I love... (laughs) The Hellboy movies. I love them. I love them. Guillermo del Toro is a king among men, and he made awesome movies and great creatures. And that's one thing is I did really like the looks of the creatures. I mean, a lot of CGI, which is going to happen. That's bound to happen. Um, I still, you know, would love more movies to do creature effects, like actual, like, physical effects, um, practical effects.
0: Nobody wants to do practical, It looks good.
1: The action looks good. The aesthetic looks good. But it also literally looks like they took props and costumes from the other movie. And I I know that the other movie did a good job making Hellboy look like Hellboy. And this movie's doing a good job making Hellboy look like Hellboy. So, you know, there's going to be crossover. But I just worry that it's like... I don't know. I guess guess I'm just worried that it's not going to differentiate itself enough.
0: I'm actually curious... I have a mild theory that the reason this trailer looks so much like the first one is because people loved the original so much. Yeah. Part of me thinks that people that when you get in this movie is going to be a lot darker. They may have just shoved literally every funny part of this movie into the one and a half minute trailer mm-hmm. because people have a lot of feelings about the Ron Perlman Hellboy series. People have been very skeptical. People have been nervous. There's actually been a little, like, shit-talking about the new one Mm. because it's going to be dark. I honestly wonder if they just pulled a Suicide Squad and people were like, no, we want the Ron Perlman one. And so they were like, okay, let's pull every scene we have that could make it look like the Ron Perlman one and trick people into the theater. And then once they see that it's different, they'll still like it.
1: Hey, you just... Blasted your first swear word on the podcast.
0: I know. I'm sorry. All you little ears cover. <laughs> cover little ears. I'm Welcome sorry. to the
1: dark side.
0: I know, I'm so Good. bad. I get I get passionate because let's talk Do it. I'ma say it. What's a trailer if it ain't marketing? Yeah. And it's all a tactic. Yeah, yeah.
1: And <laughs> you know, sitting here thinking about it. While I wasn't listening to you. Um Thanks.
0: Love you too. I'm just kidding.
1: Um, <laughs> sitting here thinking about it, I uh, you know, I would never say this about like a Spider-Man movie. You know, I would never be like, that Spider-Man looks too much like the other Spider-Man.
0: And there's three So of maybe them.
1: like maybe the issue I'm having is I you know, I've only watched the trailer once. So maybe if I go back and watch it I'll, you know, absolve a little bit. I also don't have that much familiarity with the comics, admittedly. Like, I haven't read many of them. So, maybe that kind of separation is what's doing it. And maybe, you know, I need to just accept that, like, this is how Hellboy looks. This is how his items look and his world looks and go into it. But, I mean, that's the only real qualm I have. I, I, you know, again, I think the trailer was a lot funnier and goofier than I kind of thought it was going to be. I was. Maybe that was just me getting my hopes up for, like, a more dark kind of spawn Hellboy movie. But, I mean, David Harbour's funny. I love him in, you know, everything from Stranger Things to the real-life guy. So I'm excited to see him do that role. And he seems like he's tearing it up, and he looks freaking massive. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. Big dude.
1: So, yeah, I, I'm pumped. It was a good trailer.
0: I'm feeling it. Good trailer. I- I'm, I'll be interested to see if what they do or if they do anything different with the next one. Like the next trailer, I mean. But we'll see. Um, the only other real thing in news that I had was some interesting comic book news. Um, a very popular Vertigo title called Border Town. Mm-hmm. It was about to mm-hmm. have issue five, I believe. Um, it has recently been pulled because of... Canceled. Canceled. Entirely. Pulled from their website Ashes burned. No r- Remembrance of it At all. Yeah. It has been Smited mightily Um Because the writer Eric Esquivel has Been accused of Sexual assault Man. Um He Apparently worked with a woman Her name was Cynthia nug And They worked together at a comic shop, and she wrote a blog post detailing all of the things that he did to her. I read it. I won't go into any details, but it is horrific.
1: That's insane.
0: It is horrific the way he treated her. Um, So she came out, and the colorist and the artist came out quickly, actually before Eric did. Eric essentially deleted all of his... Uh, social media except for his Twitter and didn't really make a public statement. He did eventually but it was very short. Um, Mm -hmm. The others came out and said, we didn't know this had happened. If we had known this had been the type of person that he was, we never would have signed up to work on this book. And it it really sucks too because the artist came out and admitted. He was like, this is probably the piece of work that I am most proud of. And I I can't imagine working on it or promoting it ever again. Yeah. And it, like, that's heartbreaking to have, like, your magnum opus be tainted because someone else is a total douchebag. Like, yeah, yeah. that sucks so much. But that's I gotta rough. say, I am so proud of Vertigo because they DC. came down... On the hand, like DC came down with the hammer fast. Like, yeah, yeah. the minute this started to spread, it was over. It was pulled, it was done, hands clean. And I think that's the best way to handle this scenario <clears throat> because everyone else working on it said they believed her. And apparently, now all these other women are coming out, and apparently, it had been an ongoing unspoken thing in the industry that this guy was an absolute predator Ugh. and there are lots of women that have how come did out. what
1: was his statement did he like play it off as like oh it's lies
0: he basically came out and said that while they had an quote-unquote unconventional relationship he remembers their situation differently apparently according to her she's
1: totally into it bro
0: yeah apparently according to him and, or according to her and other witnesses, he would run around talking about how it was like this unrequited love and they should have ended up together and he really cared about her. Ugh. But, like, ugh. you know, does the girl have a say? Excuse me? Like, it's disgusting. Like, ugh, it's so horrible. And there's so many women, like Kate Leth came out and was like, you know, this is one of those things that had been underground. And quietly happening for a long time, and people knew about it, but nobody was brave enough to stand up. She's like, "It's sick to know that so many people that I know have been affected by this, and it's it's nice to see that the comic industry is rallying the right way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like this guy is now exiled; like he he has been undone. Yeah, yeah. and that's how it should be because this is, is not okay." Yeah, yeah. It's not okay. So, props to you, DC.
1: Yeah, props to the woman who came out about it. Yeah. Like, props to her for Cynthia, you are a
0: brave woman, and we give you mad respect for that. That's amazing. And you are so brave, and the ability that you have to make this statement and make it okay and easier for other women who've dealt with the same thing, with potentially the same predator – I mean it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So props to you.
1: Well, taking it to a brighter note and to close up.
0: What was that? That was the transition music. Uh,
1: we have transition music.
0: We do we do now.
1: The 1960s Batman. Are we going to be Batman. like Batman. Batman. time for the next segment? <laughs> like
0: i was a title it part. up. That was me changing. You're workshopping workshopping
1: our transition music. (laughs) Anyway.
0: You're allowed to have music.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. Don't make him sing this episode. It would be terrible. Um, Transitioning, and to close off this episode, we went and saw uh, Into the Spider Verse. Yeah.
0: Spider Man
1: into the Spider Verse, the new animated Spider Man flick that is in theaters right now. And whatever you're doing at the moment of hearing this, you should not be doing it. <laughs> and you should be on Fandango or Regal or AMC or some other theater thing. I have a very minimal scope of what theater things exist. And you should be <laughs> getting your hands on tickets. And you should be going to see it and you should be buying tickets for everyone around you whether you know them or not. So person listening to this at the gym right now, stop what you're doing. Get on your phone. Count how many people are in the gym. I hope you're not at a Gold's Gym because that would suck. And buy that many tickets and go up to each person and be like, you're coming with me to see this movie. I don't care if you're in the middle of your cardio or your reps or other fitness words. You're doing it. Chris, hmm.
0: stop telling people to stop listening to our podcast to go watch a movie.
1: No, they can listen and buy tickets at the same time.
0: Not if they're on their phone. I,
1: I would never tell someone to stop listening. Stop listening to this podcast right now.
0: Stop it. No, you don't listen to him. You can listen to the podcast on the way to the theater so that you're doing both. Stop right. telling people to stop listening.
1: Or <laughs> right, I guess you could just wait. Until the end of yeah, this. Yeah, finished anyway, the
0: podcast. We're almost done. It was fantastic. It was so good. It was good.
1: really good. The animation was great. Um, I uh, The soundtrack was awesome. Was I've been so listening cool. to the soundtrack, like, all week. It's, like, great, like, heroic-feeling hip-hop electronica, and it's so good. Good stuff. Like, it was a little slow, admittedly. I, I kind of wish... It got into the Miles as Spider-Man stuff a little faster, um, but Miles is such a good character and is so endearing in the beginning that it wasn't that big of a deal. Like I, I, the whole thing could have been about him, like getting told to tie his shoes constantly and dealing with homework, and I would have been totally into it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I dug it.
0: I one of my favorite parts about it is the way they actually utilized comic book imagery in it. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of movies, like, you know, your standard animated Spider-Man stuff or animated Batman, it's, you know, it's just another animated show or another animated movie. It's just another thing. But this felt like it was actually taking imagery and, and panel work and textures from comic books. Mm-hmm. It was animating a comic book, not just making another animated movie.
1: Yeah, entirely.
0: It was almost like a weird cross medium, and I, I felt like that was really cool because it almost made like a, a new medium <sighs> by doing it. I mean, he talks about how loud his thoughts are, and as his thoughts are loud, you see the thoughts on the screen in text bubbles. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's just so clever and different from what you normally get. I also really enjoyed... So, a little, a little Twitter stuff happening. They've come out and said that the sequels already have information about them. Mm-hmm. And...
1: We've already talked about this, though. We talked about this in an earlier episode, that the sequels were going to focus on... Spider-Women, right?
0: Yes. Um, but one thing, too, is that the, the sequel is going to have a more clear romance between Gwen and Miles. Oh, cool. And what, what I liked about this is that um, they actually initially were going to have the romance between Gwen and Miles in this be a lot more, a lot more prominent mm-hmm. and have it kind of be like a focal feature of the movie. But... It was five dudes and one female producer. And the female producer, Christina Steinberg, went to the guys and was like, hey, don't do that. Don't define her by her romance in the first movie. Let's give her
1: her own character. Let's
0: let her develop as a person instead of just a love interest. And I think it was genius because Gwen has a place in this movie. She... Has her own identity. She has her own purpose, and she adds stuff without just being Miles's girlfriend. And I just thought it was really interesting, and I wanted to make note that it was the fe- the one female producer being like, "Let's not romance," and yeah. all the guys are like, "Really?" <gasps> and she's like, y- "Yeah."
1: <laughs> oh my god, we never thought of that. Yeah.
0: What? I. But isn't that yeah, what I girls just... like? No.
1: Absolutely fantastic movie. The characters were handled very well. It, in my opinion, is the best comic book movie in the sense of the best movie that feels like a comic book. Like, all the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff and DC Universe stuff, it's all good, and from time to time I'll leave it being like, I need to go read more on this character. I need to go, you know find this story this was based off and read that again but very few and far between have I watched a comic book movie and wished leaving that I just had a comic book in my hand like just wanted to get like I wanted it was so joyful um, and exciting I have qualms with it like I said it was a little slow in the beginning I think the way they designed Kingpin was really kind of took me out of it It it's kind of goofy um, Kingpin's supposed to be a big daunting dude, but they literally made him, like, a giant black mass with a tiny head, uh, I don't know, I didn't really deal, like, like that as much, they did a lot of cool redesigns of these characters to fit into this universe, and I didn't really like that, but I liked how unafraid it was to be the multiverse, you know, all the way to the extent that Spider-Man noir can't see colors, and stuff like that, and, you know, Spider Ham is literally a cartoon like dropping anvils on people and crap. <laughs> it's so like, funny. And uh Penny Parker is like jumpy anime type stuff and her mouth doesn't match up with what she's saying. And it's so funny. I um like they were just unafraid to be like, This is a multiverse, this is what's happening, you know, and here's thought bubbles for these characters and stuff, and I that is great because as I've said in the past, and I've said about different things, like it's always, always sucks when it feels like a movie or a comic or something. Hell, I said that this uh, episode uh, doesn't commit to what it's kind of getting at. Yeah. you know, it, it's like afraid to go fully. So it would have been weird if Spider Man Noir was just like a Spider Man in a black suit, you know. But he was full on like using old school dialect and slang and. He can't see colors because his whole world is black, black and, and you know, and monochrome. And uh, really great. And it's just such an impressively sweet and heartfelt movie. And it's beautiful and a great for kids, great for adults. Take whoever you can to go see it. And it's, you know, in its own way, it's a very culturally impressive movie. And, you know, young black man is the superhero that... You know, kids are going to be like, I want to be Miles for Halloween and stuff. Like, that's that's awesome. That is great, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. I, I just I want to see it again and again and again and again and again and again. I just I want to own it right now. <laughs> I going to go steal it from a movie theater and project it on my freaking bathroom wall.
0: Same. So I, good. I think the one other thing that I want to note about the movie is that um, while a lot of the – characters are obviously designed to be perfect and relatable for children. And Miles kind of makes perfect sense as being this relatable character for a current generation. One of my favorite parts about the movie was the depiction of Peter Parker because he's very different from what we think of when we think of Peter Mm -hmm. Parker, especially now after the amount of times that they've retconned Peter in the MCU, you kind of still think of that like high school or young college kid, but in this, he is a late 30-something, messed up relationships, a travesty, and he's out of shape, and he hasn't got his life together, and it's just one of the most relatable moments for a millennial that <laughs> I've had in a yeah, movie yeah. theater. Peter, like,
1: Peter B. Parker. He just, That's what they're him.
0: He, he is a beautiful symbol of the, the struggles of mid to late millennials the things that we're constantly dealing with and the struggles that we're having and it's kind of nice to see that represented and so i feel like it kind of helps bridge that gap for the young kids and the kids that are now having kids you know Mm. what i mean so i I just wanted to give a shout out to to peter b (laughs) yeah it gives a
1: character for the older crowd Who goes to see this movie to also root for? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they want to see him learn as much from Miles and his experience with Miles as Miles is going to learn from From him. him. Absolutely. Um, And that's awesome. But yeah, go out and see it. Definitely. Definitely, definitely definitely go out and see it. It is worth every moment. So.
0: All right. Well, I think that wraps things up pretty well. Uh, That's it for this week. For this week. I'm
1: going to go medicate and die.
0: (laughs) Uh,. Y'all might have a double dose of tea next week if yeah. he dies, because it's I'll just gonna... have to start doing voices.
1: Yeah, she's just gonna like be on one side of the microphone and be like, Yeah, you know, that Thor issue was really cool and then she's gonna go over the other and be like, Yeah, you know, I thought it was really cool. Yeah,
0: I think this was really yeah. great. I really uh-huh. enjoy
1: She's gonna do her best, Chris. In so person.
0: so do you prefer Angela or do you
1: prefer Lady Thor?
0: I think I really prefer Jane Foster over Angela, but it really depends on the depiction.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know you don't really like Marguerite Bennett that much all the time.
0: Yeah, you know, it's a little complicated.
1: You've been you've been rehearsing this to replace me, haven't you?
0: I know where you sleep.
1: Uh, okay.
0: So anyway, guys, <laughs> thanks uh, for listening. Send uh, help. <laughs> He's fine, I promise. He's if fine.
1: I sound different in the next episode, you send are. help.
0: I'll get better
1: at it. Don't this worry. Is This is not a joke. (laughs) Please.
0: (laughs) If you want more Cover B, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Cover B Podcast. You can follow me and Chris on our Instagram accounts. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: I posted this week.
0: Well, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) I posted like a million times. Look at me. I can take selfies and cosplay. Cosplaying is hard.
1: Yeah, I know also all you ever talk about anyway
0: next week (laughs) we are going
1: to have our review and feelings on Aquaman so that's exciting look forward to that
0: yes get ready for a lot of the sequel the
1: sequel to Waterboy
0: I don't think that's how that works
1: Uh, Yep. Waterboy was the coming of age story of the prince of Atlantis
0: Bobby Sandler. Boucher. Adam Sandler's looking pretty good. Well,
1: they recast it because he's older now.
0: Adam Sandler dreams of being <laughs> like that man. We all dream. <laughs> Jason Momoa, call us. Stay tuned next week for all of that and more on the next episode of Cover B. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful weekend.